This is the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. Thomas Burdich, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us, and congratulations on the retirement. First off, I want to ask you about the ceremony today on court and what that was like to be out there and to have that word retired next to your name. Maybe a strange feeling, but it was all really well done, and uh, um, I think it was a nice moment for you, too. Yeah, thank you so much. I mean, it's it's been an incredible moment for me, and I'm, I'm very pleased, you know, that all this worked out because uh, really the London and this this event this tournament is, is is very special for me all those six years that I was able to to qualify being the being in the top eight guys in the world and, and competing in this event was one of the really biggest memories that stays in my mind and now you know being able to to step on the court for for the retirement i mean yes it's 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 a word as as any other and uh and that's that's the part of my my career as well so really it's been it's been very nice and uh for me it was a very special and emotional moment i could rattle through plenty of you know numbers and accomplishments obviously we can get to that a little bit uh in a minute but for you as you look back at your career as you start to reflect at your career, what sort of emotions come out? Well, I think the nicest thing is that it's 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 a very nice mix back of everything, you know, and that's 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 how it should be, you know. I mean, the good experience, the bad experience, how I was able to learn from the bad ones, what it brings me as an advantage, and and all that kind of things you know the bad moments when you know you have to travel you have to be out of your home and then on the other hand when you know you're standing on the court and winning up uh, tournaments matches and all the experience that uh, that they are connected to it it's uh, it's really the back is so big and i think it's going to take some time you know to just to go through and uh, and especially now once you you said and you commit that it's it's over i think all of those memories and all of those experience gonna come up slightly different because once you are in that i call it as a as a big washing machine and you keep spinning around and uh, you have really no time for for anything to to look back look forward but that's that's normal that's that's how it is so now plenty of time for everything and uh, yeah the only thing i can say right now I'm, I'm i'm very proud of my of my career and the the things i've done i can feel actually kind of a lightness with you sitting here like you're at peace with the decision but the last couple of years have been pretty tough you had that back injury obviously you were playing at the top level of the game up through 2017 what have the last couple of years been like for you to try to figure out okay, what am I still trying to accomplish out on the tennis court and how do I make peace with, with that as a person? Yes, I mean, it started, uh, well, I would say now a year and a half ago when uh, when the injury came for the first time and I said, now I just have to take care of it and let's see, let's see how, how what's going to be the process. The process was six months being out and then uh, for me that moment it was a it was a huge huge motivation because it's it's been a new situation in my career i've never been injured for longer than one week 
and now I was out for six months, the train was running and uh, I just want to prove myself that I'm able to come back if, the, if my body is good and allows me to do so. And I had a great preparation, I started the season quite well, I mean the first two months were very good, I mean final in Doha and playing really well in Australia, a couple more other tournaments, so for me that was like really a, another I would say step in my career which I kind of achieved also for myself and then of course the the injury came back and then it's it's been very very tough so basically I took took the decision very short after the US Open and uh, and I just put all the all the negatives, all the positives on, on, on the two sides, compare it and there were no positives left, you know, from, from the situation and and this was this was the best I would say the best thing to do and, and the right time. You told us a little story uh, just before we started recording. I, I hope you don't mind repeating a little bit, but you woke up essentially one day and just felt like the flame, the candle had had burned out, and that was how you reached that decision. Yeah, absolutely, that's true. I mean, it's uh, it's been the moment when I came back home from from U.S. Open and uh, just woke up one day, and uh, my wife looked at me like, "What's what's wrong? Something happened." I said, "Like, look, I mean, just having the feeling like." I have no 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 any more gas and power to wake up and go and train or in that time not even to train but actually see the physios to first take care of the body and take care of all the process which I was in the time and and keep going again and uh, and I said look that's it you know I, I just you know that's 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 over and uh, and uh, the one of the life chapters is, is, is finished and let's move on. One of the words that any retired player or athlete is faced with is legacy. So as mm -hmm. you look back at your career, Tomas, uh, you turn pro in 2002, 14 years in a row you make a final, you win 13 of those finals, 13 ATP tour titles. You of course make the Wimbledon final in 2010. What sort of legacy do you feel like you leave out there on court? Well, I think you absolutely answered the question from my point of view because I think this is a I'm I'm a guy which really likes the the things that you can realistically touch and they are, you know, they are as a piece. And legacy is a it's a it's a big word and uh, I think it's something when uh, I was trying to I was trying to create it while I was playing. So uh, I was putting hundred percent, you know, to to the preparations, to the matches, you know, to to, to the whole my career, and the dedication was really, really there. And uh, the outcome is exactly what you mentioned all those years. And there will be lots of people who's gonna see it some way, some other way. And really, I don't want to. I don't want to influence them in that direction. The only way I can, I can control those things. Where, from my side, on the court, competing, winning or losing, and that's it. That's what I've done for my part. And now the rest. I mean, it's completely up to them. What they, what they like, what they did not like. That's that's up to them. The one thing you won't be able to escape, though, is people saying you you played part of this uh, era of Roger, Rafa, Novak, Andy, and Stan. 
would be included in that as well. Did you see that, Thomas, in your career as a blessing, a curse, or, or maybe a mix of both? Uh, no, definitely not curse. I mean, uh, it is how it is. I mean, I'm standing with both feet on the ground, and that's. Uh, I had a chance to compete with all of them for those 15 years. I beat every single uh, opponent or every single one of them at least once, twice actually, and more. So, you know, that's that's also one of the big parts of, of my career. I mean, it's yes, it's, it's not a title that counts, but it is a part of it. And uh, yes, this, this has been an incredibly tough tennis era and uh, I'm very proud actually to be part of it, not the one like that someone's, you know, being talking about the era which has been the best in the history and I was not part of it. I was part of it. I was able to to get in between of them. I was fourth in the world, so that means I was I was very close or in between them. So yeah, just proud. You should be especially proud of Wimbledon 2010, beating Federer and Djokovic both to get into the final against Rafa. What are some of the memories that pop up from those couple of weeks at the All England Club? Yeah, the, those memories from 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 that event are are very very strong. I mean, it's uh, probably the strongest strongest moment was beating Roger there in in uh, in Wimbledon on that centre court in the quarterfinal, and of course. I mean, after that, follow up beating beating Novak, which was very special as well, and you know that final, it's it's tough. You know, you just played the third guy of of them all, and uh, and he's he already won many of the slams, so those experience were there, and uh, yeah, that's that's how it was. He was just too good that day. For you also, I think a legacy that you carry on as well as you mentioned that you were injury, not injury free, but you had so few injuries in your career that were long lasting. You played 52 consecutive slams. You also played 64 consecutive Masters 1000s um, over different courses of your career. But when you look back and reflect that way, the way that you cared for your body and for your tennis game, that's something you must be proud of as well. Yeah, absolutely it is. I think that's that's one of the reasons also that my career looks with all the numbers how it is right now and then and we can summarize it this way because if if the injuries are keep coming then i find out at the end that it's that's the absolutely the worst that every single sportsman can can experience so i was very lucky i was uh, yeah i was lucky but i was really trying to do the best i possibly can to take care of my body that was the result. So exactly what I like, you know, it's just to to show it the way that I was able to to compete in those many consecutive Grand Slams, Masters, and uh, Masters 1000, so and so on. So that's exactly one of the reasons as well. We mentioned 2010 at Wimbledon, but also 2012 at the U.S. Open, you beat Federer in the quarterfinals to make the semis, of course, against Murray. But what do you remember of that? <laughs> We'll talk more about the Federer match. What do you remember? I think it was a night match against yes, Roger, yes. and um, yeah, just that magical night for you in New York. Yeah, it was a it was a very magical night because it was my first actually Arthur Ashe uh, night session match actually in my career, and I was facing Roger, you know, <laughs> who plays that match for so many times. So, so it's always a very special, and maybe Roger won't be 
kind of uh, happy because the one I beat him first at the slam, it was the quarters in uh, in Wimbledon, which he didn't lose before that time. And now it was my first night session match in, in the Arthur Ashe in New York and uh, and I beat him as well. So, so yeah, I mean, a couple of those funny things that uh, the history brings up and... Uh, yeah, it's it's amazing to see the, those difference between the events that we can have in tennis. You know, the very classic Wimbledon as it is, and then you know the the wild and uh, very noisy U.S. Open, which is yeah, that that's that's how it should be. So very nice. And uh, yeah, you mentioned the semis. I mean, hope there is no more wind here. And <laughs> that was that was a very special one. And again, you know, those either. Either the bad memories are, are bringing a lot of good positives from it and uh, I was able to learn a lot from that match. Since that moment when whenever I get to play a match in very windy conditions, I would say 95% I was able to take it as my advantage. Because before that I absolutely hated it. I mean, I think it's it's the worst, one of the worst other enemies than your opponent that you can face on the court which is a wind but uh, again I was able to to take it as my advantage and many other matches that I I won and it was very tough and very windy yeah especially the swirling wind in New York uh, right yeah <laughs> absolutely um, Thomas one thing I think that fans really came to appreciate about you is your personality off the court uh, I especially remember when Twitter was getting big, you were one of the players that really took to Twitter and, and wanted to connect with the fans of Burditch and the Birdie. You know, it just felt sure. like a fun side of you. How did you try to connect with the fans and, and show them a different side of Burditch than they might see on the tennis court? No, absolutely. I think it was a that was the way and the platform to 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 show people a little bit the other side because the tennis is it was it is very professional in in the sense that really like whatever people see on the camera is like really on the court you have to be super focused that's what it needs to be and then we are we are very different every single one of us is different so but on the court i think we look quite similar in that way so i think this was a very nice uh, way how to show people that uh, you know, my personality is different, what I like to do, what I'm doing in between the time, you know, sense of humor, the other hobbies that I have and things like that. And I think it was it was quite interesting. I think I especially loved the late night match at Wimbledon when you <laughs> tweeted out the eyes, right? Just the eyes on the black <laughs> on the blackboard. Yeah. You know, I think it again, that was a tough match, I can tell, you know, it's you don't wanna finish the match like that, but you know that's how it is so what you can do you can do just a little fun about it move on and and with a smile all the bad things are are easier to swallow okay so what's next what's the big plans coming up so the plan is actually not to have any plan for the for the next i don't know weeks months maybe a year really don't know because it's I want to take some really fresh breath in after those many you know 15 20 years of really every single day orders that you have to do you know that you, what you have to go through in in your tennis career so now i just want to, to to give the time you know my closest my family my wife and uh and really just see where where the road's gonna gonna take me and uh 
it might change in just a couple of weeks maybe not I just really want to let it let it flow for a bit Thomas Burdett thank you so much and congratulations on retiring thank you very much thank you you're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast available on iTunes Spotify TuneIn and ATPTour.com and I'm with Radek Stepanek, one of the great Czech duos. So you and Thomas Burdick spent a lot of your career together and you're retiring at the same time. Do you think that's appropriate? This was the, the sherry on the, cake, uh, on the cake to say bye-bye here. And, uh, you know, seeing Thomas uh, retiring today uh, makes me a little sad because I, I thought that he's going to have a couple more years, but obviously uh, his health issues doesn't allow him to, to continue. But, uh, you know, we've been... Uh, around each other for a very long time and we only played against each other four times but I'm very happy and, and uh, that we spend most of the time side by side and on the same uh, same, same side of the net and uh, with the same goals uh, you know especially in Davis Cup so uh, you know that's what I will uh, re- remember and uh, you know one, one of the great times of uh, Czech tennis obviously is now gone and let's uh, hope that uh, Czech tennis will produce, uh, keep, will keep producing the same. Yes, because in a way you revived Czech tennis. You had that great generation in the 80s and into the 90s, and then it went a little bit quiet. And you and Thomas, and also let's not forget Lucas Louis, who won a couple of Grand Slam doubles titles. You were, you were a good team. Yeah, we, you know, we've been, uh, we got back together in Davis Cup in 2007, had 10 incredible years of experience, wins. Obviously, we won the title twice. And you know the be- the best message we could have leave in our country was that uh, kids started to play tennis again. You know the the the, num- the numbers in the in the tennis academies got triple. You know after our our Davis Cup wins, uh, we felt that uh, you know whole country stood behind us. Uh, you know uh, what I remember, what uh, I've heard from uh, you know people in, who were attending the 1980s final when Landro Smith played in Czech against Italy, you know, they said that to have in your hand a ticket to watch Davis Cup in the arena was something, you know, special, something uh, what people were dying to have. And uh, we've been able to build this, uh, uh, to build this aura uh, around it again. And the atmosphere were just legendary. Yes, I can testify to that. Pretty much everybody who would talk about Radek Stepanek as a tennis player would talk about tennis intelligence. You were one of the cleverest players around. Did you have to develop that tactical awareness or was that something that was always there from when you were, when you were a junior? Uh, thank you for the compliment. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, I didn't have a game based on uh, hitting the ball as hard as I could have because I didn't have that power. So I had to play different. And uh, since I had to play different, I had to think different than, uh, you know, most of the most of the guys who has a powerful game. And uh, it obviously came with that naturally. And obviously my dad was teaching me that since I was a kid, maybe I had the uh, potential to, in my mind, to do this, to see it, to feel it. And uh, as everything in tennis, I did with my heart. So I played uh, tennis with my heart. I treated my fans with my heart. And uh, I'm leaving the court again with my heart in uh, you know, in my hand. 
Just going back to your doubles career, I mean, you played a high-level singles, you played a lot of doubles, and then towards the end, you were one of the world's top doubles players. Did you get as much enjoyment out of doubles as you got out of singles? I did, because since uh, I was a kid, I played, uh, even when I played, uh, you know, under 12, 14, 16, 18, I played always in singles and doubles at the tournaments, and uh, and the doubles was a, you know, I don't want to say great practice, it was a doubles, and uh, but obviously you get, uh, that's where I also developed my, I believe, feel, and uh, seeing the court, uh, you know, also inside the inside the baseline, and the volleys and reflexes and everything, uh, you know, everything is quicker in doubles. So your reflexes are uh, trained very well. So and I was able to, you know, uh, also with my physicality because I, I base I based the, my career on being fit and able to play singles and doubles uh, every week, uh, in and out is uh, very physically. Very physical, and uh, you know, I did that for so many years, and I managed to play masters in singles, masters in doubles. You know, uh, got into top ten in singles and doubles. Uh, I, can, I when I look at my career, you know, I have uh, Olympic medal, I have uh, two Davis Cup trophies, I have Grand Slam trophies. So uh, when I look at the showcase, I can be only proud. And what is the future for you? You've done a bit of coaching. We've obviously seen you in the uh, players' boxes. You, is that going to be your future, or? What, what are the plans? Uh, let's see what future holds for me. Uh, right now I'm going to spend time with uh, my family. We have a 16-year-old daughter. So I want to be here, there now for her. And uh, you know, we'll see what the, future, what the future brings. Thank you very much for the memories, Radek Stepanek. You're welcome. You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. Well, I'm very happy to say that we are joined by David Ferrer here, who just took part in a on-court ceremony. Um, first off, welcome back in a sense, but how has retired life been? Thank you very much. Yes, it was, well, the retired, it's, it's different. I have more time for myself, for my family, and my priority is to do different things. But I'm really happy with my tennis career and it's uh, in another stage beautiful stage but different I mentioned the on-court ceremony there's a bunch of you retired players who got to take part of it Thomas Burdich announcing his retirement this weekend how special is it I know it's only been a few months but to see some familiar faces here at the ATP finals well it was special because uh, well a lot of tennis players they they had uh, very good they were a very good partners very good uh, close friends and of course uh, with uh, with Thomas he's a, a amazing player he, he has to be very proud of of his career for me it's it's very it's very nice uh, join uh, these moments with with Thomas and all the tennis players now David that we have a few months since Madrid when you left your headband in the middle of the court and we all got to bid farewell to you how do you look back at that moment now and the way that you were able to end your career it was a special moment of course uh, not the best one because it's a different thing when I played uh, some important tournament uh, matches but uh, it was very good I, I, I only have words to appreciate uh, the people who uh, as possible to uh, to make it uh, my, my last match uh, Feliciano organization and of course finishing my home with my my family is not easy and I uh, I could uh, make it so I'm, I'm really I'm really happy with with my my last my last match and my my retire 
What have you been up to since retiring? I know that you've stayed very busy, but what has occupied your time? What have you been up to lately? Well, now I am a director tournament of Barcelona Open Bank Sabadell. For next year, I am going to be a do. I'm going to be in Barcelona to do different things, vinculate with with tennis. But anyway, I have more time for my family. I am not traveling. Uh, a lot like uh, when I was a, a tennis professional but uh, and then uh, well uh, different things different motivation with uh, with that yeah you mentioned that phrase more time especially with your family what's been your favorite part about not having to go onto a tennis court every day and sweat and work and practice what's been the best part <laughs> It's uh, it's different. I have uh, anyway. I have a tennis academy, so sometimes I am still playing tennis with uh, the uh, the juniors juniors players because I love this game and and well, I have a family. And when you have a family, uh, it's it's difficult to to do a lot of things because uh, you need time for for them. And when I was a tennis pro, I didn't have time. For them, and now I have time for my parents, for my 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 family, my close friends, and it's it's nice. It's time to to be there in my in my home in Sabia. I appreciate you've been asked about Rafael Nadal many times in your career, David. But once again, he's world number one, the fifth time in his career, the oldest player to finish the year as number one. Now that you have a little space, you know you're not on tour with him. How have you witnessed what Rafa's been able to do this season? Well, Rafa is able. To do everything, it's uh, uh, it's amazing. It's uh, a beast, you know, uh, because uh, he was injured. He coming back, playing better. He finished the year. Uh, uh, he's gonna be finished the year number one of the world. So congrats for him and for for his team because it's a work uh, to uh, to everybody. So uh, you know, Rafa, Roger, Novak, they are uh, special tennis players that the people. Uh, will miss when they they finish to play. I hope uh, enjoy more uh, two or three years uh, watching tennis to them. And David, my last question is: most players they only retire once. So as you've retired now from tennis, yeah. what are some of the messages, or what has been the message from the tennis public or people that have reached out to you that's really touched you to know how you touch them? Well, only I have to say thank you very much for your support in all my 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 career when I was a tennis pro. You know, it was my um, my best part of my life. I enjoyed uh, like a like a kid, and and now I am in another stage, and I am I am going to be a, a big fan of tennis now. I am going to be like them. <laughs> well, we're always a big fan of you. Muchas gracias. Thank you, David. Thank you. Gracias. On iTunes, Spotify, tune in and atptour.com. This is the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. Well, I'm sitting with Rajiv Ram, who has just lost in the final group match, which obviously is disappointing. So thank you very much for talking to us about the Bryans. Mm -hmm. But um, they've announced their retirement with effect from September next year. What was your reaction when you heard the news? Well, I mean, they've been around for such a long time. I I can't say it was totally surprised i think they've done an unbelievable job in the last few years of really making the most of you know their time on tour for sure i think we all knew you know it's a a sport it's you know everyone's time comes to an end at some point so i just 
yeah, the reaction for me was obviously still knowing that, you know, it's it's, it's quite sad to be honest because they really, you know, carried the mantle for doubles and really in a large part even just American tennis for for quite some time. Do you remember when you first met them? I mean, you're what five or six years younger than them, so they must have been reasonably established. But do you remember the first time it, you first came across them? Yeah, I was. I can't remember exactly the tournament. Or sorry, exactly the year, but uh, there was a tournament in my hometown in Indianapolis, um, and I think I was a junior, and I probably got a qualifying wild card, maybe even a doubles wild card. I can't remember. And they were just about getting to the top of the doubles game, and then I remember one challenger I played. I think I was still in college. Bob Bryan was actually there, and I think he won it. In fact, uh, and they were still Bob was still playing some singles, and so I obviously saw quite a lot of you know their. You know, their career um, from when they first started. So I mean, it was I'm going to say that was around like 2002, 2003, uh, around that time. So I can't remember the specific version. I also remember when I was a junior Wimbledon having a practice with Mike Bryan. Funnily enough, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's been a long time. Was Wayne Bryan very much a big figure on the scene? Because he, as the dad, was clearly instrumental in bringing them on. Yeah, I mean, I think I didn't really so much see so much of that because I think he was probably there more in their formative years but Wayne Bryan was a, a big figure just in doubles tennis in general I mean he would you know come to a lot of the American tournaments and do some clinics and do some you know he, he's for me the best tennis MC in the world uh, I've done a few clinics with him I've done an exhibition or two with the Bryans together and they actually came down and did my charity event uh, I can't remember the year but I mean they're just it's amazing like what they do on the court as players, but then, you know, they're able to kind of bring the show uh, alive in those types of events too, better than probably anybody. What do you think is the magic that has made the Bryans so charismatic as a doubles team? Well, I think they, it's a whole package, no? I mean, first of all, they're good players, so they win a lot, and that helps. Um, I think they were, they both could have been pretty good singles players, and they decided to, you know, join forces and kind of play doubles exclusively from a pretty young age, so that was obviously a good decision. They're twins. You know they're very energetic. They, I think, they really transformed the game of doubles in a way. If you look at doubles before they started playing, it was you know, pairs would sometimes not even high five. You know, it wouldn't you know be like guys walking just back and forth on their side, and then all of a sudden the Bryans came and they're chest bumping and they're high fiving and they're getting really into it, and they really raised the bar as far as some of that goes. And now it's just normal. If you don't do that, you, you're you're left behind a little bit. So I mean, they they definitely transformed the game in a way. Doubles is in reasonably good shape at the moment, but that wasn't necessarily the case a few years ago. Do you think it's fair to say that they in some way saved doubles by being the star attraction when it was really important to have one? Yeah, I mean, I don't really know the history of it so much. So I know there was a situation or a time, you know, some years ago when there was doubles was really kind of hanging in the balance with the the tour and what, you know, what the what it was going to look like. And we had, you know, scoring change. I was still predominantly playing singles at the time. So it was just kind of went with the flow I guess but uh, I certainly think they had a large part in you know this the the keeping doubles around and then sort of the growth of it and you know keeping it alongside the singles is okay not maybe the same level but certainly a great addition to the tour and I think you have plenty of players making a good living just playing doubles now and I think that's why the you know people really focus on it um, and I think that's where the level continues to get better and better. Do you have any of your own memories? Obviously played them with various partners. Anything, any matches that particularly stand out? Any stories that you'll be boring your grandchildren with? <laughs> I mean, I think I lost the first eight times I played them or something like that, so that wasn't great. But, uh, you know, the, the first... I played in 2016. I, I beat them. I think we played... Raven, Clawson, and I played together, and I think we beat them three times that year and in two slams. And, you know, 
I don't have anything specific, but it was just always a good win whenever you could play them and beat them because they never gave you anything. Like they never, never seemed like they had a bad day. They never came out flat. They never, you know, and it was always like you had to play well to beat them. So anytime, I certainly remember most of the times, or if not all the times that I did happen to win because I had to play a pretty good match to do it. And did they have a sort of force of personality that would win them certain matches when they weren't necessarily playing well? Absolutely. I, don't, I mean, they certainly didn't play well all the time, and they've got more wins than anybody. So they, they mastered the tactic or they mastered the skill of winning maybe when they weren't playing their best. But, you know, they, they controlled so much of the momentum, so much of the energy, and I think that allowed them to not really dip too low in level. Um, that was probably their biggest asset was just, like I said, they made you, they made you beat them time and time again, and um, they were just able to bring a certain level of intensity that I don't think had been seen until then. You said at the beginning that everybody has their time when it's time to move on, mm -hmm. but can you actually have difficulty imagining the double circuit without the Bryans? Yeah, I think so. I think they were just such a mainstay for so long, especially some of the American tournaments. Like they, in these last few years, it would be them playing tennis and then them doing their music and, you know, it would be a whole package. So I think it's going to be different for sure. But, um, you know, that's the beautiful part about sport is that uh, there's always somebody waiting in the wings, another pair, another mm -hmm. couple of pairs. I mean, we're going to see a transition here in singles too in the next, you know, coming years, I would say. And, uh, I think it's just it's just part of the cycle. You know, you never thought what would tennis be like without Sampras and Agassi, and here we are with possibly you know the greatest the greatest generation of players ever. So I think it moves on, and you know no one's going to forget what they've done. But uh, there's certainly you know players that are just as eager now. And I think they've done a large part in making doubles such a formidable part of the tour that uh, it's all really credit to them in, in a certain way. Rajiv Ram, thank you for sharing your memories of Bob and Mike Bryan. Thanks. If you like this podcast, please search the iTunes store for ATP Tennis Radio to leave a review. review.